This is The Wrap, episode 65. The Wrap is a weekly show where I talk about all the cool and fun things that happened throughout the past week. Today is Friday, February 7th, 2014, and I'm your host, TJ. Well, I'm afraid that I have to start off The Wrap with some very bad news, some very sad news that we got uh at the beginning of the week, and that was that Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away at the age of 46. Uh, and I actually uh, saw this on Sunday, uh, right after church, in between uh, church and, and the meal that we have at church, and I glanced at my phone and glanced at Twitter and noticed that the Twitter was blowing up about it. And I couldn't deal with it at the time, so I put it away and posted this article on Monday from the New York Post. Oscar-winning actor Philip Seymour Hoffman was found dead of an apparent heroin overdose with a hypodermic needle stuck in his arm inside a Greenwich Village apartment on Sunday, cops said. Screenwriter and friend David Barr Katz called 911 around 11.30 a.m. after he and a female friend found Hoffman in his underwear on a bathroom floor at 35 Bethune Street, sources said. Uh, really bad way to start off the week. He's such a great actor, uh, and I will certainly... I haven't seen all the movies I want to see that he's been in, but, uh, man, such a great actor. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty sad. And, and let me just say, too, man, if, if you're struggling with some sort of an addiction, I mean, it's obvious with the needle stuck in his arm and with the heroin around, uh, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with an addiction, that's you need to get help for that. You know, you need to need to uh, go to rehab and, and get over that and don't let something like this happen to you. I mean, I think that's the takeaway here, unfortunately. So uh, our condolences to his family, and uh, it's, it's, it's the, uh, we've lost a good storyteller. Uh, and, and eventually, you know, as the week progresses, then you start wondering, well, what's, what's going to happen with that, that movie that he was filming, uh, Mockingjay is the one that comes to mind, uh, in which uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was playing Plutarch. Uh, and so Edward Davis over at the playlist says that Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2 release dates will not be affected. Um, a question you might be asking yourself now is, uh, wasn't Philip Seymour Hoffman shooting The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2, as Plutarch Heavensby? The answer to will the movie be okay is yes. Lionsgate, perhaps trying to assuage concerns about their multi-million dollar franchise, bravely broached queries almost instantly this afternoon by releasing a statement that said Hoffman had substantially completed work on The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 and that he had seven days remaining to shoot on The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. This tragedy will not affect the film, so don't worry. Mockingjay Part 1 will still arrive on November 21st, and Mockingjay Part 2 remains scheduled to arrive on November 20th, 2015. So, and then the final article that I posted on this was that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had one major Hunger Games scene left to shoot. This according to Angie Hahn at Slash Film. On Monday morning, we reported Philip Seymour Hoffman had shot enough of his The Hunger Games Mockingjay role before his passing that the release dates for the two-parter had not been shifted, but he still had seven days of filming left on Part 2, and unsurprisingly, that's leading to some complications. According to insiders at the studio, the late Hoffman still had one major scene left to shoot when he died. The filmmakers are now scrambling to work around his absence, possibly by digitally inserting him into some scenes. And uh, I would say this, a major scene with seven days left to shoot, that's nothing to sneeze at for uh, for a production like this. Uh, but depending on which scene it is, uh, maybe, you know, maybe inserting him digitally is a thing to do and, and shooting around him. They may have to do a little bit of reshooting of the scene to make it work. Who knows? The one thing that would be weird is if he had any voice parts left to do because replicating people's voices is still well beyond our reach digitally. So, um, 
I, I do hope that the scene in question, the major scene they're talking about, remains a secret until after the film, because I'd like to see if I'll be able to tell or not. That that will be an interesting test to see how well they do. So, uh, not to take away from the tragedy, but just to kind of underscore it and highlight it and how important it uh, he a part he was playing in this uh, upcoming film. So. Now I have to move on to some uh, some lighter news uh, or or something that I would uh, want to get a little bit uh, worked up about, but in a in a more of a fun way. So let's move on to that. J.K. Rowling has lost her mind. She regrets the Hermione and Ron pairing. This, according to Andrew Sims over at Hypable, in a new interview conducted by Emma Watson, Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling drops a bombshell. She's she's not so sure she should have put Ron and Hermione together. The shocking revelation came in the new issue of Wonderland, of which Watson was a guest editor this month. The comments were obtained by the Sunday Times. Rowling says that she should have put Hermione and Harry together in the Harry Potter series instead of Hermione and Ron, according to the publication's headline, which reads, J.K. admits Hermione should have wed Harry. To which I say now her now she's just messing with us. I mean, uh... Harry and Hermione were never meant to be together. I mean, certainly from the books. I'm speaking of my perspective from the books, and she's the author of the books, so I think that's the perspective here that we're looking at, not really the movies. But in the books, it was obvious that she was never meant to be with Harry. Harry and Hermione... Uh, were good friends, but that just, I mean, it was obvious that Harry and Ginny were the ones always meant to be together. Um, and uh, so that that's just really frustrating to hear her say that. She's second-guessing her work, which I consider to be largely a masterpiece with very few storytelling flaws, and I really like the flow of the story, so this is just kind of irritating and frustrating to me. But at the same time, I also say, you know what? The story is what it is. You uh, can't change it now. It is kind of the way it is, and and so that's fine. Whatever. She can she can think and say whatever she wants. So uh, I'm glad she's not trying to rewrite and retrofit it, even if she is saying some crazy things. So that link will be up in the show notes if you want to inspect that more and see what all she had to say. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1, What to Look Forward to. This is over uh, at Zap to It by Terry Schwartz that I linked I linked to this on Movie Byte. When Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns from its mini-hiatus on February 4th, that would have been a couple of days ago now, uh, expect the series to go full throttle as it airs its final nine episodes of Season 1. According to showrunners Marissa Tan... I didn't practice these names beforehand, shame on me. Marissa and Jed Whedon, the focus of the show gets a lot of a lot tighter for the back half of the series' first season. Zap to it recently visited the set of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and spoke to the two showrunners as well as a number of the cast members about what's in store. Here's some teases about what's coming up for the end of Season 1 and beyond. And, you know, my, my response to this is, yes, I don't care what anyone says, the show has been great and it's getting better and better with every episode. I've loved it since the beginning, so, uh, and if I do sound a little defensive about it, I, I just don't understand everyone's hate for this show, and there's a lot of hate out there for the show, and I don't get it. It's been a really good show. Some of the highlights, just a couple of the highlights I'll mention here, too, actually, and then you can you can click through and read the full uh, link if you're interested. There will be an Asgardian language barrier. The language barriers, uh, it was really fun to write, Whedon says, of the conversations between the S.H.I.E.L.D. team and Lady Sif, uh, who is scheduled to appear on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so that'll be fun. Uh, Coulson will throw a line at her. She basically does the literal version of that physically. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun to me. And then the show, this is, this is the part that's really good. The showrunners know the answers to the big questions. The problem with many mystery heavy TV shows is that they propose questions that the creators don't have the answers to. Not so with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We do know. We know everything. 
And I, I go back to uh, Battlestar Galactica, where it's very obvious they asked a lot of questions and proposed a lot of plot lines that they didn't know the answer to. And so it's good to hear that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. knows exactly where they're going. So I will continue tuning in to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I haven't watched this week's episode yet, which is really frustrating me. It's been really busy. I'm going to watch it. Uh, I, I actually, by the way, record these Thursday night, and so uh, I will say that I'm going to watch it tonight when I get done recording this episode. So I will have watched it by the time you hear this. This week on the Movie Bite podcast, we talked about American Hustle, uh, and that was, of course, after uh, Chad had a uh, complete meltdown of his computer, but we got him on the show anyway, uh, first via his computer and then the meltdown, and then we got him on via iPad. All was well, and we discussed a lot of things. We did discuss in much more deep depth than I've done here the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's quite a downer. Uh, and then uh, we... Uh, We'd briefly discuss Fizz's top 13 films of 2013. Uh, since he was on the show, he wasn't on the show, and we talked about it. We did just quick mention it, and uh, he talked about his frustration at hearing us talk about it on the podcast but not being able to talk about it with us. So that was fun. And then uh, we talked a good bit about Jesse Eisenberg's casting as Lex Luthor. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had quite a bit of disdain for Man of Steel, so I don't know how much I care about this, but yet I will see it, and I am inter interested in the news, so... And we talked about the J.K. Rowling thing as well. Uh, Chad and I uh, really kind of uh, went at it, and Fizz didn't know as much about it, so he hasn't read the books. So, And they also got to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And then we dived into our discussion of David O. Russell's latest film, American Hustle. Uh, it's it's not as good a film as you might think, uh, given that it's uh, up for Oscar awards. It's been nominated for an Oscar award. Uh, I was disappointed with it on on that level. Although I do think that the film is certainly worth seeing once, uh, and you know it has some good things about it. Certainly the acting uh, by Amy Adams and Christian Bale is second to none. Oh, and Jeremy Renner too, just simply amazing. So worth seeing for that. Uh, so, but anyway, check that out uh, if you want to know more about American Hustle. And if you don't, you should check it out anyway. It's a good, good episode. Netflix renews House of Cards for a third season. Uh, this, according to Los Angeles Times, House of Cards still has an award, a winning hand as Netflix has voted in favor of a third season renewal for the political drama. The early renewal for a third installment, confirmed by a Netflix spokesperson, comes ahead of the Valentine's Day rollout of its second season on the streaming service. House of Cards was originally given a two-season commitment, so the news makes good on Netflix chief content officer Ted Sarandos' indication last fall that he wanted to extend the show's life past that. And to me, that's good news on the on-demand uh, TV front. I'm very happy uh, with the show in general and happy with the direction of more shows coming first to on-demand. And it's just a, a great, great thing. Very happy with that. I'll be tuning in to watch that. Well, continuing my off-the-movie topic Nintendo theme, I, I talked about uh, Nintendo having a plan for its next console. I posted a link to Brad Reed on BGR.com. Um, contrary to many analyst opinions, the biggest problem isn't that Nintendo lacks a strategy for smartphones and tablets so much as the Wii U has simply lacked the must-have games such as Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart that would make it a must-buy. However, Ars Technica reports that Nintendo is planning to make an important change that could ensure that its next major console doesn't face a dearth of good games during its launch period. And I would argue that, yes, that is one of the things that really hurt Nintendo with the Wii U, I think, uh, is just a complete lack of availability. And, and yes, that I think that's a big part of it. It's interesting the direction they're going here, though. Nintendo president Satoru Iwata 
said recently that his company is working on a unified architecture for its next-generation consoles that will work across both its home console and portable console systems. This means that Nintendo could launch modified versions of many of its mobile games simultaneously on the next Wii console. Uh, similar to the way that Sony launches slightly different versions of the same game on both the primary PlayStation console and its PS Vita portable console. To which I say, yay, there are many Nintendo DS titles uh, that I would love to purchase right now uh, that I would love to play, but, but but I'm not willing to purchase a, a separate gaming console, even if it's just a handheld, when I have a Wii U, and so it would be nice to be able to play those on the Wii U. It doesn't sound like that will be coming to the Wii U exactly, but maybe the next console. So, uh, that's that's the news on the Nintendo front, continuing my theme of going off topic and talking about gaming, which is strange for a movie website, right? But hey, uh, I'll talk about what I want to. Well, uh, back to movie news. No one gets taken in Taken 3. This according to Rush Fisher over at Slash Film, uh, who says, let's get it from Liam Neeson. Uh, the actor was on the show hosted by Jonathan Ross in the UK and explained they called me up and I said, I'll do it, but only as long as nobody gets taken. Neeson didn't give up any more details, perhaps having been well-conditioned by the Christopher Nolan PR machine. Luke Benson and Robert Mark Kamen scripted the film, and we now and we know that Maggie Grace, playing Neeson's daughter, will also be back for a third run. Kamen had actually explained this no-taking policy for the third film back in 2012. We've taken everyone we can take. It's going to go in another direction. My only remaining question then is, why is this movie being called Taken then? Isn't it time for a new name? And given how terrible uh, the second film, uh, Taken 2, was, I wish they'd take it back, actually. Um, I, uh, I just don't see this ending well. I, I, I'm not interested. Why, I, this franchise doesn't feel like it needed to be a franchise. It was a great movie. The first movie was great. Beyond that, I just don't see why, why we need more. Let's go make stuff that's cool instead. I just, I just don't get it. Well, before I sign off, uh, let me talk about what you might want to see this weekend. Uh, you might want to see Vampires Saving Monuments with Legos. <laughs> That's, a, of course, an allusion to the three that are new this weekend. Um, first up being the Lego movie. And I think I'm going to, and I, as I did my article, I'm going to go in the order that I feel that these are worth seeing. The Lego movie looks to be amazing, um, and it's gotten high critical praise. Um, in fact, out of, I, I believe it was, I'd have to look again, but I believe it was 99 critics, uh, one rated it uh, rotten and the rest certified fresh. So 99% approval rating from the critics. I was skeptical at first, but I think the film does look quite excellent. Uh, I recently posted a piece on uh, with a featurette and nine clips from the film that really just convinced me that this film is going to be top notch. It just looks quite, quite good. It's rated PG for mild action and rude humor. It's stars Chris Pratt, Will, Will Ferrell, Morgan Freeman, among others, directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Uh, so I definitely am, I'm going to be seeing this one this weekend, and we'll be talking about it on the Movie Byte podcast next Tuesday night. Uh, next up is The Monuments Men, rated PG-13. Um, it has a great cast, but it's not getting good critical reviews, and it looks like it's it's just kind of weighed down by some stuff. Uh, I've heard that the film's humor is uh, and glib spirit is not fitting with a wartime movie, and it just does it a disservice. So that's uh, frustrating to hear, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I expect it to be maybe a little better than the critics are saying, but it's, the critics are pretty hard on it. It's rated PG-13 for some images of war, violence, and historical smoking. <laughs> Whatever on the smoking uh all right and then um vampire academy i I don't have to tell you guys how bad this looks right it it looks really bad why are we doing the teen vampire thing still uh i'm not interested Uh, pg-13 for sexual content language body bloody images and violence cast is uh zoe desh uh 
sexual content language and bloody images and violence don't go see this one still in theaters frozen uh, the nut job lone survivor jack ryan shadow recruit american hustle i frankenstein and the wolf of wall street for more on what i think about those films whether or not you might be interested in seeing them whether or not i think you should see them be sure to uh check out my article which is linked up in the show notes well, that is all I have for this week. If you'd like to view the show notes that I just mentioned, you can find those online at moviebyte.com slash the wrap, all one word, slash 65. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper Pro. You can follow MovieByte on Twitter to stay up to date, twitter.com slash moviebyte. And you can like MovieByte on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviebyte, and we'll keep you up to date there. Of course, be sure to visit the website where I keep you up to date every single weekday at moviebyte.com. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great weekend at the cinema.